Good evening, and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And I don't know how many of you all were trying to catch us this morning, but we had some major snafus. So we are coming to you this evening, and we're going to have another broadcast with uh, our guests that weren't able to share um, um, their uh, stories with us this morning tomorrow uh, at 9 o'clock Pacific time. We're going to have an hour show, and um, that show is going to feature Margot Hall and uh, maybe L. Peter Callender and maybe Tracy uh, Toll Marie. (laughs) And they're going to be talking about um, a program that is a part of the New Roots um, new roots. Let me see. Read it all to you. New roots um, theater festival uh, hosted by the San Francisco um, Bat Co. and um, and so Peter uh, L. Peter Calendar from African American Shakespeare Company is going to be talking about what they're going to be doing. They're in Block C. October 16th and 17th, and um, and Margaret Hall, and maybe um, uh, the uh, other guests that I told you about, uh, are going to talk about um, this really wonderful piece that they're writing, um, and this is uh, the Lorraine Hansberry Theater. It's a story of um, Lorraine Hansberry, Nina Simone, and Jimmy Baldwin, so that should be really, really cool. So they're going to join us. And then we're also going to be joined by um, uh, Tonko Eisen Martin, who is the poet laureate, San Francisco poet laureate. And uh, and maybe we might be joined by um, um, Akil, who the two of them are going to be in conversation, Akil's, and musically and, and Tongo with his poetry. And if you know Tongo Eisen Martin, uh, he is—he's done some really wonderful work with um, with musicians and music, and so that's going to be um, uh, an intercourse as a part of the Magic Theater, and so they're going to talk about that. That's next week. So anyway, um, I'm going to be rebroadcasting a couple of uh, interviews. One is with um, Afia. Raina Turner Greenlee, and she is, I believe she might be the founder of the Black Sustainability Summit, which is happening tomorrow through Sunday. Is it tomorrow through Sunday? Uh, um, it's the sixth annual, and we weren't able to get her live. Uh, it's through, tw- um, I think it's through Sunday or Saturday. Anyway, we weren't able to get her live. However, we had a great interview with her last year. And so I'm going to rebroadcast that. The Black Sustainability um, Summit was virtual for the first time last year, and it is continuing virtually this year. And um, and there are going to be some really wonderful, wonderful, um, uh, wonderful presentations on Saturday. They're going to be live. And Thursday, Friday, they're going to be virtual. And... Um, and we have a discount for you, so um, you can get a 
a $20 member ticket, which is a really great deal, uh, for all of these wonderful presentations. And I will put the link on the website for uh, wandaspicks.com as well as in the description for the show today. All righty. So without further ado, we're going to start with uh, an interview with, uh, I'm going to tell you in a minute, I, I actually introduce, introduce her in the beginning of the program. However, since we are talking, <laughs> I might as well just tell you. Um, yeah, we're going to be speaking first to uh, Miss Akila uh, uh Jeramogi, who is an environmental consultant um, and um, FACRP co-founder and CEO, uh, and she she does like forest uh, preservation and restoration, and she is also the CEO and director of the um, Maroon Women's Chamber Chamber of Cooperation. And um, and again, she's the uh, co-founder and CEO of the American Heritage Foundation, and that is some really interesting history. And uh, she's going to talk to us about the Maroon Gathering or Conference, which is happening um, next month. And let me tell you the date. Uh, scrolling, scrolling. I know it's November. However, I am not seeing the date right now. So you can, you'll hear it. She's going to tell us. <laughs> and, and there is a Facebook that you can visit and uh, to find out more and to follow so you can be updated on everything. So without further ado, I'm going to play this. And then um, I'm trying to upload um the um the interview right now with uh Afia and then after Afia uh I'm going to have a the interview with Andrew Hill who is Andrew Woods sorry Andrew Woods who is the um executive director or artistic director and founder of the San Francisco International Arts Festival and and he is joined by one of the presenters last year um uh in Kisi in in Kichi, um, uh, Emer, uh, Emerua, and she was awesome. She's a um, performance artist and a lot of other things. And so she's going to talk about what she's going to be doing. But the city of San Francisco um, was uh, violating First Amendment rights, and, uh, and so the San Francisco International Arts Festival sued and won and was able to present a wonderful festival last year. It was absolutely stunning. And uh, it was online and in person, distanced in person. And this year they're going to continue with the online and the distance in person. And so if you go to the website, um, San Francisco International Arts Festival, you can see what's going to be uh, on site and what's going to be online. And maybe some of the online on site might be also streaming live streaming, which is what they did last year and um yeah, it was really nice and so the festival is Wednesday the twentieth through the twenty fourth 
So, um, so you can get your tickets. And so you can hear about last year. And uh, maybe we'll get somebody on from San Francisco International Arts Festival for next week on, on Wednesday. All righty. So, so that's the show. Enjoy and tune in tomorrow at 9 o'clock uh, to talk, to, to listen to um, our guests that ah, we didn't get to talk to today. All righty. You take good care. Black Arts and Cultural Program of the African Sisters Media Network, and that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer for the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And we have a really exciting and full program today. Um, Our first guest is joining us from Trinidad, Tobago, uh, to talk about the Maroon Gathering, which is coming up this month, which I don't want you to miss. It's going to be virtual, so you don't have to travel to that uh, town. Um, and uh, Sister Akila is joining us right now. So let's uh, welcome her into the studio. Oh, no, the call just dropped. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, uh, Sister Akila. I'll read her bio while we wait for her to uh, for the connection to get stable. She's in the forest right now. She's a forester. Um, Jara Mangi is her last name, and she's a forester, environmental consultant, social entrepreneur, and cultural activist. She is the co-founder and CEO of. Oh, here she is. She can't we pronounce some of these terms. <laughs> oh, good morning, Sister Keila. Thank you. Hey. Yes, still morning. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad the phone was working in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pleasant. Good morning, sister. Good morning. Good morning. So I was reading your bio while we waited for your telephone line to get a little stable. So I was just telling our audience that um, that you are um, co-founder and CEO of the is it Fondus or Fonds? How do you pronounce that? Foreign Simon Community Reforestation Project. Yeah, in St. Anne's, Trinidad, and Tobago. Uh, Tobago, and you are your um, the owner and designer of your own um, jewelry company, Aquila's Jewelry. 
And yes, you're a proud American, and you have to tell us what that means, American descendant. <laughs> and um, how do you pronounce your last name? You, when you listen to this, you're going to say, oh, she really killed it. Um, how do you say your last Jaramuki. name? Jaramuki. Jaramuki. Oh, I really? Jaramuki. Yeah, I didn't see it right. Uh, Ms. Jaramuki is the co-founder and past president and CEO of the American Heritage Foundation. And for over a decade, you and members of the American Heritage Foundation in Trinidad and Tobago have been championing the cause for recognition of Trinidad American Maroons at home, the Caribbean, and the world. And you're also director on the board of the Maroon Women Chambers of Com- uh, of Cooperation, and you coordinated the delegation of Maroons in the uh, Caribbean and North America to attend the UN 18th session permanent forum on indigenous issues. And on Friday, uh, the 15th of March, 2019, uh, you were appointed the first American Maroon Paramount Chief by the Office of, is it Gama? Gama, yes. Gama of, yeah, Jamaican Maroons Nation. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. As as an environmentalist, you were the recipient of Trinidad's highest humanitarian honor, the Hummingbird Gold Medal Award on behalf of your organization, um, uh, the... mm, Yes, tell us the name of your organization. Oh, the Fonsamans. Fonsamans Community Community Reforestation Project. Project, right. I mean, you gave us acronym, but I wanted you to say it. <laughs> You're also <laughs> trustee on the board of ASA, Right Nature Center. Uh, that's ASA Right, ASA Right Nature Center. Uh-huh. Yes, and uh, is, right. is it in, yeah. is it in uh, Arima, or how do you pronounce yes, that? Yes, that's in the Arima Valley in Trinidad. Okay. And your passion for ecological sustainability and nature um, is rooted in your work of your ancestors living off the land in the company villages. Um, and you've got a whole lot of other awards. What's your website? Um, our website is um, you can check in at uh, um, org. Okay, well, that's easy. So a uh, f a c r p is the um, dot yes, o r g. Yes, the acronym. Mm-hmm, yeah, the acronym. We also exactly. Are, you can find us on Facebook and um, mm-hmm. and all the other social platforms. You know. Um, yeah. Okay. Instagram. So we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What brings us uh, to this wonderful um, first meeting and. Um, because I actually, um, as a member of the um, um, the um, International Coalition for the Commemoration of African Ancestors of the Middle Passage, um, you sent in a video of the, the Americans, um, uh, and I had never heard of the Americans prior to 2019, and mm-hmm. no, 2020, 2020, and um, yeah, yeah, because you know our friend Yuri. Um, uh, is a is a member of of uh, ICAMP and as well as you know one of the founding members of, of Adasi, and and you know she's your sister friend because she's also from Trinidad Tobago. <laughs> yeah. And so when yeah. I saw yeah. when I saw the flyer about 
the maroon gathering, and and you know we know about maroons, but never heard about the Americans. I'm like, ooh, I want to talk <laughs> to Sister Akila, and so here you are. So tell us about about the uh, the maroon gathering, when it is, how people can get, you know, come because it's virtual, as I mentioned to our audience. And then just tell us about the American history. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, and hopefully we could do this again, have another conversation, so you don't have to try to get it all in at one time, but. You know, get in as much Thank as you can. I'll stop talking and let you talk. Thank you. Thank you, Wanda. And first, I give thanks, as I say, I also ask for the permission from my elders and my ancestors to speak on their behalf this day. As I give thanks and I offer healing by ways of the Supreme Being to all spiritual levels from those ancestors who were badly treated, who were abused, afflicted, deceived, enslaved, hated, lonely, misguided, neglected, oppressed. Oh, I give thanks and I, as I pour libation for all the elders who were pained and saddened and traumatized and died tragically during the Middle Passage. As we talk on behalf of our ancestors this day, I give thanks for this opportunity, as I say, motupe, motupe, motupe. So yes, it's the one that the Americans, <laughs> the Americans, uh, I'm a proud descendant of the Americans. The Americans are African Americans, enslaved Africans who fought for their freedom enslaved Africans who were taken from Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Sierra Leone, Senegal, Ivory Coast, Congo, Benin, and brought to North America on plantations. And throughout the Americas, Virginia, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, and other parts, and they are the maroons of North America who ran away from plantations and hid in the swamps and along the shorelines during the War of 1812, during that period between 1810 and 1812. And some of them decided to fight on the side of the British, and the British and America was at war. However, Fighting on the side of the British was a bargain for their freedom to get out of America. And even though Britain ended up losing the war, they held on to that bargain. So at the end of the war in 1816, the Africans who fought on the side of the British were then sent to Bermuda, where they were offered to fight again on the side of the British, and they said, no, they want the bargain of being taken out of America to the freedom. So, leaving Bermuda, they sent them to Halifax and Canada, and then to South Trinidad. So those of you who are listening and familiar with Trinidad, you would hear about New Grant, and hard bargain, and Indian work, and first company, and second company, and third company, and fourth 
fifth and sixth company. And these areas were named after the batches of soldiers. So the first batch of soldiers that came to Trinidad from Halifax in Canada, the first batch of soldiers settled in a place called Hindustan, now known as Devil's Wood Yard. And if you visit where the volcano is, you would see there's a sign marked First Company. And that's where the first company of soldiers settled. They were helped by the Waro Indians from Venezuela who lived in Baruga. The Waro Indians helped to clear land and welcome us. So that's where the first batch of soldiers settled. And then the second batch of soldiers settled around Pity Cafe, Matilda area there in South Trinidad, close to first company. And then you have the third company on the Maruga Road. And then the fourth company went over to a place called Williamsville. But first it was called Hard Bargain, mainly because the soldiers, the African soldiers that settled there, did not like what they got, did not like the quality of land, and did not like the agreement, were not satisfied with the agreement. So they called the area Hard Bargain. So that's where they settled anyhow. And um, so you find an area called Fort Company, now known as Hard Bargain. And then the fifth company of soldiers settled on the Indian Walk Road going to Maruga. So you'll find the fifth company of soldiers there. So that area is fifth. And you'll hear about Papaniza, the great healer, or the Obia man, when you talk about going to Trinidad and one of the greatest healer. That's Papa Nisa, and he's from the fifth company of soldiers. And the largest company of soldiers settled in sixth company. And that's simply because that was the last batch leaving the U.S., heading to Bermuda and then Halifax. So whether you fought on the side of the British or not, history shows that the batch of soldiers and their relatives and others forced themselves on the British ship to get out. It was like exodus, you know. And, um, and that's the story of the Americans. And here we are in Trinidad, surviving, you know, still surviving as descendants of the Maroons of North America. And I'm a proud descendant of the Elliot clan, which is the clan of Papaniza and also the heirs, and you would hear a lot more of the names that settled. So when you have relatives in South Trinidad, or if you are from South Trinidad and you are listening on, you would hear names like Andrews and Ayres and Atwater and Cole and Cooper and Cummings and Bailey and Blackwell and Braxton and Burton and Dixon and Donmore and Dunton and Floyd and Foreman and Fortune and Gibson. Hamilton, Hudlin, Hills, Jackson, McLeod, McVille, McNish, Loney, Mitchell, Ransom, Richardson, Sambury, Shields, Saunders, Seaton, Smith, Taylor, Teasdale, Thompson, Webb, Weston, and Woods. We have more on that list, but another time I will share with you all. But these are some of the popular names you will find in the company villages. And here we are. We have survived this. We have helped build Trinidad. 
because when we came here, we came just in open virgin forest, and my ancestors worked hard to help build Trinidad and build the company villages to what it is today. So this is a little bit about Americans. Wow. You know, so we really are, um, you know, one people. Um, you know, that this is a, this is pretty amazing. So so when you talk about the Maroons, um, what does it mean, um, you know, Maroon Society and and what's gonna be happening, um, you know, at the uh the virtual conference? Okay, so the the conference will be both virtual and live. So it'll be a hybrid okay. of both virtual and live. Um, mm-hmm. because what it is we have to really, you know, connect with the elders, connect with the ancestors. And we choose Dominica because Dominica is second to Jamaica in Maroon and Marinage. And they said, why Dominica? Again, Dominica is second to Jamaica in terms of sustained armed resistance to enslavement. You know, and um, so therefore we pay homage to those ancestors, you know, from Dominica again, because they are the ones who who stood up, you know, against the British and the French and the Spanish and all those, you know, colonizers in the Caribbean here in Dominica. And um, it was a big struggle for them. It was not easy. And they set up camps and, and about 14 camps in the hills of Dominica in those early days. And what happened is that a lot of runaway slaves from a lot of runaway enslaved people <laughs> from 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 Guadeloupe and Matnique and St. Vincent and St. Lucia seek refuge around the maroon camps in Dominica. They hid among some of the greatest fighters and heroes like Bella, Farcel, Congore, Cicero, Jaco, and Kwashi from Dominica. When you hear those names of these ancestors, they were the ones who fearlessly stood up against those colonizers, you know, fearlessly stood up against the slave masters where they raid camps, raid, raid estates and, you know, retrieve their loved ones, burn down their states, you know. Um, and yeah, that's why we are celebrating in Dominica. But most of all, we are calling on countries where maroon communities exist in the Caribbean. But as you know it, everywhere there was slavery, of course, there would have been maroons because our people did not just subject ourselves to slavery. A lot of us resisted. A lot of our ancestors resisted. So wherever there were plantations, you must have found there would have been maroons around. So again, we are calling and inviting countries. Um, you know, we have our brothers and sisters from Jamaica and Suriname, and I'll tell you a little bit about how this came about. We are also inviting brothers and sisters from Barbados and St. Vincent and St. Lucia and Grenada and Carriacou, um, Trinidad and Tobago as well, where we have Matnique and Guadeloupe and Dominica um, being the host country. We are also inviting the Seminoles from North America and my queen sister, Queen Quet Gula Gucci, and the team from, again, from North America. We are also, we will be having our brothers from Sierra Leone, brothers and sisters from Sierra Leone, 
and having greetings from Nigeria, our homeland, and South Africa. So this is the kind of circle that we are creating to sensitize our people, to sensitize our African brothers and sisters, you know, to be conscious of who they are, conscious of where we want to be, and come together to create a mission statement to seek indigenous people's status for all Maroons of the diaspora as we prepare to go back to the UN in 2022. And I say go back to the UN, so the conversation will continue. Why are you going back? Why did you go there? <laughs> well, you know, this one is a long piece of history, but, uh, you know, um, this is the mission that we are taking right now, mobilizing our people, building awareness, you know, and coming up with common visions and goals that we can collectively work to empower our Caribbean brothers and sisters, you know, in this time. So, again, enough work, a lot of work to be done, but we are doing it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So so how do people, because um, I, when I went to the website um, for the organization, um, FAC, RP. RP. I yeah. didn't. I didn't see the org right. I, I've linked to it um, in the description of the program. Uh, if people are at the website for um, no, we don't have show. the maroon yeah. maroon information on the website. You'll more find it on my Facebook page, Akila Jaramugi, okay. it on the Facebook page, and some of our members, you know, um, have been sharing it on the page as well. You know, mm-hmm. but um, we ha- we personally don't have a website for our maroon, um, maroons of the diaspora yet, but uh, soon come. You know, but for those who need information, they can also um, send an email. You know, to Caribbean Maroon Woman at Gmail dot com. You know, and um, they can contact me directly, and um, or even Sister Eureka. And um, others who are closely linked with us, we'll keep sharing information as we can, as the countdown grow closer and closer because our event is from the 12th to the 16th of November, and uh, it will be held at Jungle Bay Resort um, in Dominica. That's where the main engine room will be, <laughs> you know. But again, we'll be connecting with our brothers and sisters all around the globe. Yeah, the gathering yeah. will also be. The gathering will also be focusing on some serious pillars like uh, Kampale, you know, where we gather in the name of our ancestors, Ujima. We work for the upliftment of all, Gayap, you know, we are stronger together, working together for a positive cause. And Bungi, we gather to learn from each other and liberty, we respect the forces of nature. So again, these are some of the pillars that we will, that our conversation will be based around, you know, sharing stories and empowering each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us um, what it's like there um, in Trinidad, Tobago, presently. Um, uh, you know, we we're in a pandemic, and so how how are people doing? And 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 then maybe tell us a little bit about about yourself and how you became. Um, you know, so I mean, I guess seeped in uh, environmental concerns and and the land. I mean, I, I've, I've I've never been to Trinidad, Tobago. I've been to Jamaica, 
Um, okay. I've been to Haiti, um, but um, from I have I have a friend um, Val Durant, who's um, uh, from Trinidad Tobago. He's um, really wonderful person, and it just sounds like you know just from the way that you open you know honoring the ancestors, it it seems as if um, you all are really rooted still in our African culture in a way that some of us in the diaspora are not connected because of, you know, our ancestors being uh, enslaved and, and taken away from from our, our original culture. So if you could talk a little bit about sort of what it looks like there, how the people are doing, and, and a little bit more about you. Okay. Um, first, I must say, Trinidad and Tobago, um, we are... Uh still under lockdown for the pandemic, um, you know, but a lot of awareness is happening. Um, cases have dropped tremendously. So we are doing a little better, but still we keep, we have to keep, you know, um, under this whole COVID com- compliance lifestyle, you know, wear your mask and continue, the, as best, continue as best as you can to keep yourself safe and keep your family safe. A lot of people in Trinidad, Again, use the bush medicine and so on, you know, to deal with this as well. So uh, we tap into some of our traditional knowledge and traditional ways of healing, you know. And um, we have had a, a fairly high um, number of persons being vaccinated and stuff. And those who are not are the ones who hold on to some of their traditional ways of healing and keeping themselves healthy, you know. So that's the case in terms of the pandemic in Trinidad, but we continue to comply to directions, you know, social distancing, yeah, you know, you be careful, you wash your hands, you wear your mask when you, you know, need to, you know, because even as my workers way out in the forest and they're far from each other, they can breathe freely without the mask, but when they regroup, you know, they will all put on their masks and so on, so so, you know, we are trying to, to understand this whole pandemic and try to keep ourselves safe because the whole thing is about the secret to longevity, how we can live long, how we keep ourselves healthy and, and, and you know, not in grief and sadness and pain when you lose loved ones, you know. So that's the situation there. For me, um, being who I am, Akila Taliba Jaramugi, I choose to change my name because, you know, I see myself as, you know, a true African, true black, you know, with black identity. And um, I am proud to say that being, my ancestors being here in 1816, while, you know, um, slavery was still existing, where some of my African brothers and sisters were still enslaved, we were settled in the company villages in South Trinidad as free blacks, and growing up as a child in the company villages and hearing my parents and them, you know, talk about, you know, this freedom, how, how you know, they are Americans, they are, you know, they, they, are, they didn't come to Trinidad as, as slaves. So they always create employment for themselves, you know, and their families and their loved ones. And, um, and even up to today, you'd find a lot of Americans still are, teachers and preachers and healers and nurses and, and, and farmers and, and artists and, and artists and Californians and six 
spices. And so we were able to still, you know, keep that heritage, that cultural heritage alive and, and celebrate what we came here with. So, um, and among that were a high number of Yoruba settlers as well that settled in the third and fifth company in South Trinidad. And there they came with the Yoruba, you know, um, cultural way of life. And so you'd find Orisha still exists in Trinidad. And even though it was practiced on the law in the early years before emancipation, pre-emancipation period, after emancipation, they felt a little more free to come out and, you know, practice out in the open. And today, you know, we have a really strong Orisha community throughout Trinidad and Tobago. And um, it's growing, it's growing, and I give thanks. I think it's one of the, it, it, it is a really, really, really um, positive thing to see now our Orisha community and where we can truly understand, you know, before the Christ and all the stuff, or before Christianity and so on, you know, the pathway of our ancestors. And this is what we embrace and we celebrate, you know, and I give thanks for that. Why I am in the forest here is because of what I saw my ancestors doing. They respected the land, they respected the forest, and they, saw the, they, they treat the forest as sacred. Forest where the ancestors dwell, the forest where the Orishas dwell, the forest where the gods exist. And as we celebrate Mama Lata, Mama Onile, you know, we continue to celebrate, you know, all the ancestors. And it's by keeping the forest healthy, keeping clean water, not just to sustain us, but the ancestors, appease the ancestors. And so I see it as my responsibility to care for the forest and pass on this traditional way of life and practice to the next generation. Outside of that, you know, I see the environment as something that we need to take seriously. We need to have as one of our main agenda all over the world, you know, caring for the environment as something that we should not take lightly. Looking at climate change and all the, the negative effects around climate change, you know, we have to take this as, you know, one of our main agenda, put it at top, 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 top on the agenda, you know, clean water, clean air, you know, medicine, all that the forest and the natural environment provides for us. This is what we have to keep as, you know, something that, you know, of paramount importance and, and um, hence the reason why I choose to live this life caring for the environment and empowering others to continue to take charge and take care of their natural environment. Yes, wow. Well, thank you. Thank you so much um, for joining us to talk about, um, you know, your work um, and and about the Americans. Um, it's just really a pleasure to speak to you after after watching you in the, uh, in the video because we, we played it again um, this year when we had our <clears throat> international libations for African ancestors, libations and prayers for African ancestors, um, in in June, um, and so so it was, it's it's really it's a real place. Almost like you know, <clears throat> you're like a rock star, right? Because I've been I watched the video, <laughs> and then I watched the video, and I you know just just love that history. It was just so fascinating, and 
I'm really looking forward to um, to the gathering next month. Um, that's going to be it's really important, and um, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. So we will definitely have more conversations, um, you know, leading up to this great event. And I linked to your Facebook, and I linked to your organization. How do you pronounce it again? Hornsman Community Reforestation Project. Right, and the acronym um, F A C R P. And uh, also we have, mm-hmm. yes, and also we have our sister, Mama G, um, Gaman Mama G from Jamaica. She's one in, you know, was part of this whole movement of uniting Maroons of the Diaspora and Ambassador Fidelia Grand Galon from Suriname. You know, again, another strong sister who, you know, mobilized Maroons around the diaspora to take this case to the UN and you know, so we have a lot of strong sisters and brothers and also we pay homage to the first peoples, you know. Um all those brothers and sisters from the from the Garafuna and the Kalinago and and you know, the other groups, um Taino, all the brothers and sisters who continue to work with us who experience the same trauma. We give thanks for them being with us at this gathering and ongoing struggles that they stand up and support the cause together with us. So that was um, Sister Keela, and and we're going to be having uh, some other conversations leading up to the... um, the gathering, the conference coming up next month. And uh, I wanted to mention, just in case uh, folks are not aware, there's going to be a a really wonderful um, celebration of Maestro Michael Morgan's life at uh, the the Paramount Theater next week. Uh, Maestro Morgan was the director, uh, artistic director of the Oakland Symphony, and and he, he passed, he made his transition uh, this summer, and we are certainly going to miss him. And so um, this in-person free community celebration concert, 6.30 on the 19th at the Paramount Theater. And you can go online to the uh, Oakland Symphony, I think to RSVP. But um, it's going to be uh, really wonderful. Um, it's kind of unfortunate that it's not going to be um, live-streamed, but, um, but, but uh, like I said, it's 6.30 and it's free. Um, at the Paramount Theater, which is like 20th and Broadway in Oakland, right near BART. So we are going to um, we're going to play this interview with Afia Reina uh, Turner Greenlee about the Black Sustainability Conference, which kicks off tomorrow and uh, continues through this weekend. And uh, this is she's talking about last year, October 2020. However. Uh, it's a really good conversation, and it and you go to the website, you can see the lineup for this year, which is really impressive. And if you visit our our website, you will find a link to get a discount, twenty dollars for the the whole conference, which is pretty amazing. The conference is for people of African descent, African Black identified people. Um, if you want to donate money to support uh, sustainable black development, um, you know, those funds are welcome. However, this is a black space, and, um, yeah, 
<laughs> and and um you know uh blessed um maafa season to those folks that are in California uh we honored our ancestors uh on the 26th um anniversary weekend this past weekend here in the San Francisco Bay area and we're going to plan on doing something at Golden Gate Park in December so stay stay tuned maafa sfbayarea.com we're going to go out and in honor the 350 ancestors, a monumental reckoning. Um, Dana King, um, you know, created these beautiful um, figures to surround the plinth where Francis Scott Key was standing, and he was toppled last year, uh, racist um, slave owner, politician. He had a lot of power, and he's also, you know, the writer for that, for the, for the uh, American um, National Anthem. And so the folks pulled him down, and, and that statue is no longer there. And and so um, uh, these particular, these these, Afri- these, these 350 um, African ancestors and their female um, are clearing the space. They'll be there for two years. They're right, you know, they're, they're claiming it, and they're holding the space for us to honor our history and our culture. And uh, it's right next to the carousel, if you know what that is. And on the other end of the concourse is the um, Speckles Temple of Music. And the vision is to have Lift Every Voice um, written, you know, um, in lights across that. So that would be really great um, you know, that ends, ends up happening. So, um, so again, I'm going to play this interview with Afia Reina, followed by the conversation with um, uh, Andrew Woods and um, the sister um, actress, Nakia, um, uh, regarding the San Francisco International Arts Festival 2020. And again, it kicks off next Wednesday, 2021. I don't know what year this is, but... Oh, my goodness, the programming looks phenomenal this year. I was looking at the online programming because I'm not going to be in the house, and it is amazing. A lot of, lot of theater um, and dance, and there's poetry. It's going to be amazing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the San Francisco International Arts Festival um, has uh, a really high level of, of art, artistic um uh, production and it's it's never lagged. It's been high level artists from the world, um, and you know the artistic presentations are something that you can't get normally. So it's really great, you know that um, that San Francisco International Arts Festival is around and and doing the wonderful work of um, you know sharing culture, which is um, how we get to know one another. Alrighty, so <laughs> here's Afia. I know I keep on saying that. This, here she really is. <laughs> Enjoy. This is Afia Raina Turner Greenlee. To talk to us about the fifth annual Virtual Black Sustainability Summit. How are you? I am well. I am well. I'm giving thanks. How are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, thank you so much for rearranging your schedule because it is. 
12 there. It's afternoon, and you got a little one. <laughs> I don't know. It's so quiet there. Like, you must have got a babysitter or something. <laughs> yes, my mom. Yes, my mother. <laughs> oh, oh, how lovely. How lovely. Wow. So are you, are you a Southerner? Like, are you born in the South? I mean, is that is that where your roots are? Yes, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my father's from a little a little country town uh, headed toward Augusta, Georgia, and my mom was uh, born in Atlanta. So I'm Georgia, Georgia, all Georgia Peach. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. And um, I would love to read your long um, bio, but I'm going to read your short one, and you can fill in, um, you know, anything that from the other longer one you know, that you want to to bring forward. But I really want you to talk about this conference, which this is the fifth one, and it's the first time I've heard of them. So I'm happy that you presented at the um, uh, the Pan-African, no, what is it, the Pan-African? Um, trying to think, what was the name? Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me the name of the conference, because I'm like drawing the blank right now. <laughs> Oh, no, you're perfectly fine. You're perfectly fine. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure to and an honor to speak at the Pan-African Federalist Movement um, Conference um, this past week. And this this weekend, we are hosting our fifth annual Black Sustainability Summit, um, sometimes uh, spoken of as the African Sustainability Summit. We know that we're all at various stages of healing of how we identify and see ourselves. So we have a duality in the name, but largely it's the Black Sustainability Summit, um, mm-hmm. and we've been doing this work for five years now. It's so interesting that you share it. You know, this is the first time that you've heard of it. Uh, the past four years, it's been free. <laughs> we've offered it for free, and this year that we're charging, people are hearing about it. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, y'all didn't know about it when it was – well, we had about 2,000 folks our first year with no promo, no nothing, um, but it was all free. 2,000? Wow. 2,000 people were searching online. We had no flyers. We had nothing. I had just figured out how to build a website, and mm. um, I built it and put some tags on there and, you know, have a background in marketing and international business. So that mm-hmm. helped a little bit with it, but just the search engine <laughs> optimization was so crucial. People are searching for that information, and, yeah. hmm Yeah, and, you know, it was just so wonderful having you present on, what was it, the fourth day you know, of the conference, the conference started on the 15th. One of the notes I put in, in the chat was like, you know, we need to, like, have the folks that presented on the fourth day to be earlier <laughs> in the conference because, you know, there are things, you know, people that, you know, you and your uh, and your colleagues were talking about, um, you know, presenters mm-hmm. that, you know, like this is happening this weekend and, yeah, I mean, like people were definitely presenting and sharing work that they're active in presently, which is really wonderful. And then, like, you know, our sister who is, you know, relocating to, um, I think, to East Africa, um, yes. I think, as we speak. And I'm like, whoa, that's nice. <laughs> she's not going, she's gone, right? I'm like, that's the way you do it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the and then the uh, the youth that are you know in in Canada they were really phenomenal you know and you know the uh, the younger than most of the folks you know that were there at the conference but not by any any stretch of the imagination um, youth like yourself you know are doing such great work and I just loved you know how you talked about 
you know, what does it mean to be sustainable, you know, and, and you think about not just the planet, you think about our presence on this planet, you know, people of mm-hmm. African descent. Yeah, and so you are a, cha- a staunch proponent of employing sustainable solutions to human challenges by emulating nature's time-tested patterns and strategies. Uh, you have your own consulting firm, Sustainable Community Solutions, where indigenous wisdom informs each custom solution for clients. Additionally, you organize this annual Black Sustainability Summit um, that we're talking about presently, um, which manages a diverse global network of 2,000-plus individuals and organizations dedicated to sustainable community development in communities across the African diaspora. And you served most recently as project manager for um, H-A-B-E-S-H-A. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Habesha. Habesha, Inc., uh, Urban mm-hmm. Green Jobs Workforce Development, uh, your passion for creating healthy, sustainable communities locally and abroad, shifted your career focus from merely advertising the issues to engaging in global research for local solution generation, relationship development, and increasing self-sufficiency for people of African descent. Um, you continue uh, to serve our global community formally, uh, uh, serving on the board of African Unity Initiative, an African diaspora nation, formerly sat uh, as an elected member of Unity Council's African Community Center for Unity and Self-Determination, and you're a lifelong member of the John Hendrick Clark Historical Society. That sounds fun. Um, how do you Ooh. become a member of that society? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, look, and I'm like, did I send her the short bio or <laughs> the long one? My goodness, yes. Um, oh, you no, can, I'm not even become... finished, but we're going to stop. But No, I'm finished, but I, before... <laughs> But before I, before you tell us how to become a member of the John Hendrick Clark uh, Society, that sounds really awesome, yes. um, I want to keep on reading this because it's really nice, and this is your short version. It is your sincere mm-hmm. desire that Africans, with a K, create a sustainable future for us and our families by decreasing our dependence on others through self-actualization and sufficiency. This includes economic development, cooperative work, and intentional reinvestment in each other. This cannot be achieved if we fail to value and recognize African culture prior to colonialism as our common thread and the need to restore Ma'at to the planet. So, welcome. <laughs> okay, okay. It is an honor and pleasure to be here. I just thank you and the invitation. Oh, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so how does one become a member of the John Henry Clark Historical Society. Maybe you could, like, tell us who he is, who he was, and why it's such an honor to be a part of this historical society. And, yeah, tell us how to do that. (laughs) Well, John Henry Clark uh, was a historian. Uh, He focused on African-American and Pan-African studies. Um, I think he was mostly known kind of like starting up in the 1960s. But a lot of the the elders whom I have been working with, they – they they studied with him and learned from him, and a lot of the knowledge and wisdom he has around how we should move as a people, how we educate ourselves, how we can move forward, a lot of the gems and wisdom that people are just now starting to uncover for themselves, he has written about it. He's a scholar um, and is now transitioned. Um, but Mama Marimba Ani and Baba Kweku and, and Longo and all of these uh, magnificent people have really continuously referenced his works. And so when I was coming into knowledge of self, 
I ended up joining that group, uh, the John Henry Clark Historical Society. They now have online uh, opportunities for folks that want to join that are of like minds, and I'll, I'll make sure to get you the information. There is no website. It's really, you know, a collective of the willing and serious people, so there's a vetting that goes there. Um, but I, I genuinely do enjoy learning with them. Each day. It's always something new, uh, and it's a great discussion of like-minded um, people of African descent that talk about, okay, these are some of his works. How do we apply this to present day? Um, so I'm, I'm grateful that it's there and um, to share that with you all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So tell us how, how, you know, this wonderful conference came to be and, and how that furthers, you know, the concept of Ma'at. Yes, well, <laughs> initially starting, so we'll, we'll go through the whole cycle, right? Everything is cyclical. Um, initially I was looking for like-minded like-minded people, and I consistently got pointed in the direction of an elder, Mama Nobantu Ankawanda, originally mm-hmm. from California, uh, yes. Palo Alto. Oakland born. Alto. <laughs> and, uh, and, and coming forward to Atlanta, she's been here, and everyone, oh, you're into sustainability, you're into, you know, holistic health, you need to talk to her. She's, she's been doing some things, and so I linked with her, and there was a, a smaller group, um, of elders that were really committed to okay, we wanna we wanna invite some of the people that we know to come together in Atlanta and have a conference. You know, can you help pull this on? Well, as we know, life happens, people continue to move and have competing priorities. And it ended up being myself and Mama Nobantu at the end. <laughs> we're still willing to pull this this off. And she said, you know, one I trust you. I trust you to help me make this happen. And she called two other elders, uh, Nana Siti Opio, who ended up being my midwife <laughs> um, mm-hmm. for my home birth uh, very recently. And uh, mm-hmm. she called another mama, uh, Mama Atiba. And together, these elder mamas and myself uh, were able to put on the first Black Sustainability Summit. And they trusted me to take it to where it needed to be. They were like, we want to do it in person. I suggested we do it online just so we could expose more people to it. And they said, we'll build it, and we'll show up. And they sent me all the names of people that we needed. They called folks. They participated. And we put mm-hmm. it we put it together and executed it over five days for free uh, and archived all of the presentations for, view, for viewing after the event. And for the, I guess, the, the following years, we did the same thing. Uh, it, it still remained Mama, Mama Nobantu and myself as the consistent um, co-creators and co-organizers of this. And now we have my sister Yema Brewer up in Minnesota, um, my Liberian Sierra Leonean sister who is just my, my comrade. I love her and give thanks to her. She continues to help uh, this work continue. But we have been reaching out to presenters from around the globe. We have folks from Rwanda, from South Africa, uh, the Gambia, uh, Ghana, um, Colombia, the Palenque, the Palenqueros, the first maroon mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. ever. Uh, they'll be presenting. Yeah. We have translators on site. We have folks from Mali. I mean, we and, and then, of course, you know, here in North America and some in the U.K. So we have a lot of presenters that are going to be talking about the need for us to be self-sufficient as a people. What can we do? What practical steps can we take? And it's not just sustainability from a sense of, I love the planet. I want to hug a tree. That's oftentimes what people, you know, break it down to. This is nothing new for us as a people. 
resiliency, self-sufficiency, how we're going to sustain ourselves, how we consider our youth moving forward um, for seven generations and the impacts that we have. All of these topics are covered, our health, our wellness, our economics, you know, alternative energy. How do you get off the grid if you want to? How do you repatriate if you want to, just like the sister who's left? There's so many who will be joining us to present on, I left, I repatriated, I developed a program to help build a bridge, and I've designed a community that you can come and visit. So we'll be really championing uh, the work that they've done as well. Um, I think that's on Sunday. So you'll learn all these skills. It's workshop style. You'll hear some lectures. It's very much so open for you to ask questions. Unmute your microphones. It's not your typical Zoom meeting. We have a platform for greater engagement. So I know I've said a lot, <laughs> but I would encourage people to visit our website, BlackSustainabilitySummit.com, um, and look at our schedule and see the lineup and get your tickets before. We have to close them on Thursday. <laughs> so. Um, oh, oh, tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> oh, this is really, oh, my. Wow. Okay. Friday we start. We we might keep it open until Friday morning, but we want to make sure people are in and we're not having to take our energy off mm-hmm. of the summit to go back and look at tickets. So we want to encourage people to get their tickets mm-hmm. today, tomorrow. We'll hold it open Friday Friday morning. I, I, heard, I heard your voice. Okay, we'll hold it open Friday morning. Uh, but we want everybody to get their tickets as soon as possible because we start Friday. Saturday and then mm-hmm. Sunday is our last day. What what time does it start on on Friday? It starts at twelve o'clock on Friday. We're going to open up. Um, we're just going to open up the the platform for people to come in at twelve. Mm-hmm. They can get on there, figure out all of what they need to do, find their bearings, and then we will start officially with libation, prayer, and ancestral reverence at twelve thirty. So if you can get there between twelve and twelve thirty, this is Eastern time. Time, nine and nine thirty Pacific yeah. time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, that's that's not so bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know seven o'clock in the morning for the, uh, um, you know, the uh, the, the Pan African um, Federalist oh, yeah. um, <laughs> conference. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I could not make that one. I did not make that one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably, it's probably but but accessible. <laughs> right, right. And and I noticed that, you know, you're um you know, you're doing um, you know, opening you and uh Sister Yama Brewer are are opening and uh and you know, you begin with uh libations and prayers and ancestor ancestral reverence. So it's gonna be really simple similar I, I presume, you know, insofar as because one thing about the um the Pan African uh Federalist um uh conference for nor the northern California I mean northern um region uh the US and Canada uh it was it was so interactive i mean we were actually working <laughs> which is like and i and at the end of the fifth day i felt tired cuz we had been really you know doing a lot of planning and thinking about the concepts and what we want to see happen and vetting it and then coming back to plenary and seeing what was you know took place you know throughout you know, the various uh, breakouts, you know, where people are looking at other questions. And then to hear the, you know, the summary, you know, the the, the fast summary, you know, looking, you know, knowing that it's going to get even more fine-tuned as, you know, as the weeks progress, you know, and the person who did the um, the fast summary is able to, like, pull notes from everybody. Yeah, so it sounds like 
you know, you have a similar kind of setup. So from the past years, I know you said that it's available, that people can watch it, but do you have any kind of document documents that you're pulling together, you know, some kind of written documents around this concept? I, I would love to have had the time to be able to do that. Um, this is 100% volunteer-based. Um, each year we put our funds and time and energy on this in addition to our, our work that we do for a living. Um, and now both Yamai and I have the decision that starting this year we're going to step back from the summit um, and do a lot more planning so that we can have those documents, the research will be available in written form because a lot of it is, most of it is um, in video form and format um, because what we're doing, to your to your point, is very complementary to the Pan-African movement, especially for uh, North America, I would say, mm-hmm. um, is we're not just coming together to talk about those issues. When you come in, you actually are going to learn. So when you leave from our, our each one of our sessions, you should have gained a new skill. You should know how to do mm-hmm. something different than when you came in. So we'll talk about some of the challenges, and then we will present the solutions and walk you through how you can apply it in your daily life. Um, it would be great to get some support uh, from folks who would like to write this down and um, help us to uh, transcribe a lot of the, the sessions that we have. We have over 100, I think it's 111 currently workshops that have been recorded and archived on our site that are available each year after our summit closes. Um, mm-hmm. It would be great to just take take a moment to comb through it. We've talked about having um, subscription boxes that get sent out that have that information to teach a new skill, and we utilize that information um, as a part of a curriculum that gets done. We just haven't had the time. Uh, and now mm-hmm. we have to step away from what, what we do currently to bring in money and, and shift gears. And so we know that's going to require a lot of support from folks. We're asking people to purchase tickets to help us with the cost this year because everybody's been price gouging on these platforms. Um, but, yes, we would love to, but the answer to your question currently is no. We do not have anything right now um, of, of substance that's written. We have some some documents that we can provide, but nothing of substance. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's great that you've been documenting it. So, you know, I'm sure you can probably get some graduate students to get, you know, connect with, um, you know, some teacher and teachers in certain departments in some of those historic black colleges and universities down there by you. I hope now they'll be able to, to respond and provide that support because they've mentioned they wanted support. It's just the, the process of actually getting it done. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick them back up. This is a great reminder. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I can just see, you know, because, you know, there's land there. You know, we talk about, you know, sort of um, how how land, you know, it really, really kind of like having land gives you place, right? Um, and if you don't have land, you know, having property kind of gives you place because then you think, well, I belong here. But when I think about the South and, and I think about my family and other families, you know, that have been moved off the land that, that, you know, having that land base, you know, gives us, you know, a certain kind of um, ground, grounding, yes. you know, and grounding, grounding is really important because then you, like like trees, you know, you, you can put roots down and, and, and you feel a little more sturdy than if, you know, you rent <laughs> or, you know, you're living on somebody else's. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're not paying rent, but the government come in and just move you away. 
you know, on a whim. Right. Which and, I mean, they can Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, yes, they they can still do that, even when you pay a mortgage, you know. That's true. <laughs> if you, if That's you true. And, or you mm-hmm. miss paying your taxes, whether you own that home or not, they can still do it. And so what does... What does self-sufficiency really look like? If you're going to go off grid, uh, have you purchased the land? Do you know the steps that you need to take? Um, pitfalls that we get into, we ha- we're going to have presentations around land trust. Uh, what are some alternative methods that we typically don't even think about? Yes, we can go in and we can purchase land to your point to have that greater sense of security than just renting, but then what's the next step to make sure that the next generation can continue to live on that land or continue to benefit from the decisions that we made and they don't lose it? Um, for land that's been passed down for generations, you know, that's you end up with heirs' property challenges and issues. If one member of your family decides they want to sell that one little slither in the middle of all of that, it all goes up, you know, and so you can lose the land, and that's how many of us have lost our land. And you'll be hearing about that, the African-American land ethic, the South American land ethic, what's been happening, what's the state of our land across the globe? Mm-hmm. We are consistently being displaced, swindled, and our land is being lost. And we know, you know, at a, on a deeper level that there's no such thing as ownership of the land. Yet when you operate within this system and this society, you have to have claims to steward the land and to continue to live there and thrive there without the threat of being displaced and removed. And so we'll be covering that, and we'll have workshops to walk you through step-by-step. Step. Here's the website that you need to go through to make sure that your stuff is together. Talk to these folks who do this for a living. Our brothers and sisters are donating their time and their energy to share this information with you also that we can continue to be self-sufficient. If you purchase land already, you don't know what to do, you want to activate it, or you have activated it and you're running into a pitfall, get on this, this conference's line um, because you are going to be met. Shirley Sherrod is going to be on the call. Baba Rashid Nuri is going to be on the call. We've got folks from Alabama and Mississippi with 88-acre farms, 100-acre farms, 6,000 acres, um, where they have been able to transform the land from just farmland to sustainable communities. Learn from them. Ask them questions. It's not just your Zoom meeting where you can't unmute. Um, you can't unmute. We have uh, additional functions on this platform that we're using for greater engagement so you can message the speaker in real time and connect with them, have their email, and then go off into a community board or to a private breakout room session with them. So I'm just I'm full and I'm excited about this event, and I also know that it's going to be a massive resource to our people uh, for those that can tune in live. And if they can't join, we still have replays available as well after the event because that's a lot to take in for 55 speakers <laughs> for over three days. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Right, right, yeah. And I, I'm really sorry that we're we're running out of time, um, but I wanted to ask you in the next um, four minutes or so, um, if you could maybe, um, I, I noticed when, when you presented um, at the conference that, that I keep on, re, you know, um, reiterating because it was so marvelous, and people should look it up, the uh, Pan-African Federalist um, Convention um, for a uh, – uh, United States, United African States um, by 2030. That's that's the movement. Uh, looking at how um, Africa and and those of us in the diaspora, you know, being um, uh, being seen as a state as well, and in this United African States, um, uh, you know, is is being formulated, and we're meeting here 
you know, in, in this particular region, United States and Canada, and then there are meetings for the Caribbean, and there are meetings in Europe and in South Asia, and there are meetings, of course, you know, um, on continental Africa, sort of, sort of, you know, sort of looking at envisioning what the people see this looking like. Um, you mentioned that, um, you know, in the question around technology and and how to keep oneself safe from all of the elect, you know, the um, uh, the uh, radiation that comes from these devices. And this, I want to mention to people that this is um, a Congo. Um, what is it? Congo Awareness Week. I'm trying to think. Um, it's the it's the week where you supposed to like not use so much technology. What's it called? Yes. The Friends of the Congo is having a. They have their event of you know breaking the silence. Yes. Is that what you're referencing? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And this is the week where we think about all the people that you know whose lives are affected by our being able to like you know have this conversation you know via a phone, you know, that might be a cell phone and the coltan and other minerals that come out of the con out of the Congo and how this is connected to, to bloodshed. Um, people don't talk about that as much as they talk about blood diamonds. Um, every time you pick up your phone, you know, that's so many lives went into the making of this particular device. Um uh and that you can be connected like that. So so anyway, you talked about putting your computer in a bag. Um and I'm like, what is this bag that she was talking about? <laughs> sort of. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So, I mean, we talked about the um, the radiation levels and um, making sure that we um, making sure that we protect ourselves. Um, and one of the things I'm losing the the, the term really quickly. Give me one second. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a um, there's a protection bag for your uh, for radiation fields, and what we've talked about in the past, I never knew the formal the formal name of the bag. I just knew how to create one. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So you can you can create your own bag for protecting yourself from the radiation um, from your phone and from mm-hmm. your from your computers. Um, hold on one second. I'm gonna get the official name, but all it is is that you're creating a, you're creating a uh, a layer. And so you can utilize plastic wrap, aluminum foil, plastic wrap, and aluminum foil uh, to wrap around your, um, what is the name of this bag? I'm trying to, it starts with a T. It's like for EMF radiation, um, they call it like you can find a Defender Shield Faraday bag. It does not start with a T, Faraday, S-A-R-A-D-A-Y. You can get them small, large. Um, I ordered a few of them. I have one that's pretty large, so we put our electronic devices in them in the evening because what I was doing was wrapping mine consistently, mm-hmm. uh, and that becomes pretty cumbersome. So if you want somebody to do something very practically, you have to give them the tools to do that. And so uh, they have this, um, they have a bag called a Faraday bag. You can find some that are pretty affordable, but you have to replace mm-hmm. them because they're pretty thin. If you spend a little bit more, you can have them, but I definitely go through a detox process right now. I know I'm subjecting myself to a lot of radiation. And with folks that are purchasing these 5G phones, and we give honor and reverence uh, to our brothers and sisters in the Congo, when we talk about sustainability and making sure it's, it's very difficult when we live in this type of society to get away from consuming those, those uh, products because that is connected to our livelihood as well of how we're going to stay connected. You know, they talk about digital access. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my journey to the Congo. That was one of the first, that was the first country I visited when I went to Africa. 
Um, now since I've been to many others, but while there, that was the first time I learned about it. That was back in 2012, I think, uh, where I learned about Colton and uh, the minerals that are being pulled out to create the laptops. And so I'm a very firm supporter on recycling, upcycling, and uh, utilizing brothers and sisters that can go through and clean your hard drive. Your current computer works just as well um, to replace mm-hmm. your hard drive versus purchasing a brand-new device. I have a pretty old phone. I don't do the upgrades, and I'm very intentional about making sure that I do my detox with uh, parsley and cilantro. I at least taking a few shots um, every other week once I know that I'm, I'm going through and being exposed to this extensively. You have to limit your exposure. We must do that, and we must be clear about it, and we also have to be very mindful about the impacts that we have for everything that we utilize, uh, from the mm-hmm. food that we take in, the air that we breathe, and the products that we consume, and then think about throwing away, right? There's no such thing as trash. Trash is this very Eurocentric uh, concept. There's, it doesn't go anywhere. It goes somewhere else, and it impacts someone else down the line. So we have to be better stewards of the planet and stewards of ourselves and, this, and, and the future for our children because um, that trash is going somewhere, and it continues to be extracted from the earth and turned back into damaging ourselves. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're definitely going to have you on um uh, again to talk about the conference, how it went, and, you know, sort of um, – you know, sort of what new um, insights came uh, from the conference for you and for others that attended, you know, with regards yeah. to their their, um, their impressions. And um, and I wanted to get you to give the, uh, the information again on how people can register because we want people to make sure they get in <laughs> on Friday morning <laughs> at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 noon Eastern time, and I guess 11 uh, Central, and I don't know what the time zone is if you're in, like, Hawaii. Sorry, you have to look mm-hmm. it up. <laughs> <laughs> or Canada or any other place in the diaspora. <laughs> yes, GMT minus four is is where we are. So whatever yours is, uh, subtract or add on to it <laughs> if you're not in the in the U.S. dealing with our time zone. Um, please visit blacksustainabilitysummit.com. Um, you can find out how to register by clicking our register button. You can look at our schedule to see the lineup. You can even create a mock schedule for yourself and um, list all of the sessions that you're interested in attending so that you can kind of say, okay, these are the times I need to be there. And we have a time zone button where you can click that time zone and it will apply across all of our our presentations so that you can only see it in your time zone so you're on time <laughs> and you don't miss it. Um, oh, so that's we've so to- lovely. Thank you yeah, for doing that. Really <laughs> um, so we hope to see you all there. And if you forget the website, just type in Black Sustain, Sustainability for Black People. It should come up in Google. Um, we have a pretty good search engine optimization, so don't fear. Look up Black Sustainability Summit. We're the only ones that have this this um, this title and have been doing this work consistently to bring together people across all different fields, water, renewable energy, housing, um, economics, black homeschooling, how we educate our children down to growing our own food. So we hope to see you all there. We have something for everyone, and we encourage you all to be present and engage. If for any reason the ticket price is prohibitive, scroll all the way down to the bottom and get you a free ticket to at least join us on Friday. We want as many of our people to be there as possible, and we do encourage you all to come and support our work and actually get a ticket uh, so we can continue to pay for the platform to offer this information to our people. Thank you so much. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Sister Afia, Raina, Turner, Greenlee. Um, yeah, it's been really lovely. And again, um, we will have you on uh, to you know share other other insight. And you know, it's really important. You know, this work definitely important. We want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for reaching out and seeing the importance in this. It means so much. It really does. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Well, I'm going to make sure that I register in time, you know, um, you know, just in case Friday doesn't happen. <laughs> register by tomorrow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and um yeah, and see you um see you on Friday, um, you know, at the uh, you know, opening uh opening ceremonies and hear your talk. Mm-hmm. All right. I look forward to it. I'll see you all at 9 uh, or 12, depending on where you are. <laughs> all right. You take good care. Sure. All right. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Peace and blessings. And, again, it's tomorrow uh, because that was last year. Good morning. October Thanks 14th. so much for hanging in there. Um, Nakia? Nakia, yeah, sorry. And Kechi, and Kechi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, and Kechi, sorry. And how yeah. do you pronounce your last It's Amerowa Newberg. Amerowa yeah. Newberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Andrew, are you with us? I am. Good morning. Oh, okay. Hi, Andrew Wood. Um, yeah, um, founder of the San Francisco International Arts Festival. And... Um, yeah, so you all have sued the city of San Francisco, city and county of San Francisco. Um, however, you are still having a festival on Saturday, uh, October 24th, and it's um, the one day, and uh, you have a variety of, um, of programs. And um, in Kichi, um, you you're going to be doing a really, really wonderful um uh, work and thank you so much for sending me those clips of the other work that you've done. That was really, really great. Enjoyed uh, Michelle Obama um, as president, uh, 2020. <laughs> yes, yes, we can dream. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, um, whoever wants to go first to talk about the lawsuit, and then um, uh, and Keith, you could talk about your work and the and the really beautiful. Um, uh, uh, piece you wrote as a part of the lawsuit. I read that um, a few days ago, mm. and you were talking about your performance in particular and how central it is, you know, how it speaks to what's happening, you know, um, you know, politically, you know, in our country and, um, you know, specifically, you know, here in, in the Bay Area because, you know, you're you're actually here. Yeah. Well, um, Andrew, let me let you go ahead and kind of set the stage, and then I'll go ahead and share from there. Oh, to speak. Okay. Yes. Um, thank you, Wanda, for having us on the program this morning. And we um, are engaged in a lawsuit with the city and county of San Francisco because they are saying, the city is saying, that uh, the arts are not protected under the First Amendment. Uh, mm. So they are saying that art is not um, freedom of speech or freedom of expression, and we are contending that it is. Uh, they, the city is saying that in a pandemic they have the right to supersede the Constitution, which is true, they do, but many judges have, have said, and it is the law, that the government's responsibility is to tailor any type of 
restriction to the Constitution very, very narrowly so it meets very specific uh, ends. And what has happened is when the pandemic happened, when the pandemic occurred, we all in the Bay Area voluntarily locked down. And it wasn't voluntarily in the end, it was mandated. But most of us went into that period willingly and in agreement with the government. Since then, we have started to reopen. And we have not reopened in a, uh, in a logical or always safe fashion. But the way we want to work with what we're doing as our program is to actually establish health and safety guidelines as a model for how outdoor performing arts will take place in the coming year. What has already happened is that the city has said and admitted that, for example, religion and religious gatherings are First Amendment rights. And so if you're going to have a religious gathering, then you can have up to 200 people attend that religious gathering. However, they are saying that art does not enjoy the same privileges or the same rights. And we are saying that you cannot distinguish between religion and as a, as a mode of, of expression and art as a mode of expression and freedom of expression. So we're in a federal court today and we will find out if we are prevailing and if the city and the National Park Service, because this event is taking place at Fort Mason, will actually be required to host us and to um, give us the permits that we need to do our event safely and legally. And Nkichi is one of those events. She's one of the first ones, actually, on Saturday at 1 o'clock. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. thanks, Andrew. And I, yeah, go ahead. No, um, so you said you're, you're in court today. That's what our attorneys have told us. Um, the, these okay. things are moving targets. So, you know, it was supposed to be yesterday, and the state, which is also listed in the lawsuit, objected to the, to the judge that we had. So they mm -hmm. wanted to get a different judge, so it was held up by a day. Um, the judge is now considering his, he's considering all the arguments and things, and he's going to talk to our attorneys later today. And we're expecting them to do something, but um, we, you know, we never quite know, but we're expecting something to happen today. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, and it's all done by... Zoom mm -hmm. as well, so it's not we don't we aren't all going physically into the court or anything. It's all yeah. being done by teleconference. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So it's um, it's it's not the thing we wanted to come on the show to talk about. Basically, we the city had given us a permit to do this, mm -hmm. uh, and the park service, which has to see a, 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 a an equivalent city permit also said they were going to give us a permit. So we started down this track of organizing and promoting the event. Now it's, the lineup is completely there. We're selling tickets. And last week it became kind of clear, not that they were telling us, but the mayor's office from the city of San Francisco was contacting repeatedly the park service and conveying their displeasure at the fact that we were doing our event, despite the fact that they had already issued a permit for it and that it was the city's arts commission that has funded it. So the city is in a, in a bizarre position 
of having paid for the event, having permitted the event, and then the chief executive deciding that she doesn't like the event. So um, it, is, it is a strange set of circumstances and one we hope the judge will consider when he is reviewing all the facts of the case today. But like, as I was saying, we'd much rather be talking about Nkichi. We also have um, things like the, uh, the Speakeasy uh, Storyteller Series, which includes Abdul Kenyatta and Devorah Major. We have mm-hmm. great performances with another gentleman named Blue Buddha, who's um, a singer. Uh, that show is actually sold out, but it does, sorry, so we can't get tickets for it. But, um, but there's, there's just a great array of First Amendment protected activities, theater, music, and dance taking place this weekend at the Fort Mason Center. And, um, and Nkichi is one of them. And she's, and hers, and Nkichi, we, was, we included Nkichi as in, this, in the lawsuit simply because of the power of her work and the theme of her work and how, and how it resonates so completely with what's going on in this country now in terms of the election, in terms of Black Lives Matter, in terms of all the things we are saying about civil and equal rights and equity. Nkichi's work just you know, embodies that completely. And, so, and the, the statement that you alluded to, Wanda, um, from Nkichi, it just sums up our case in its entirety. So, um, so yes, Nkichi, if you uh, if you want to talk about the work, the um, license to drive while black is the title of it, and you're going to do a version, an outdoor version of it, a socially distanced outdoor version of it on Saturday at one. Yeah, thank you both. My gosh. Um, yeah, what a surprise we find ourselves in today. Um, just to be kind of embroiled in this uh, very strange battle. But, you know, on on the one hand, I can say that, you know, I want to thank the city for, you know, just taking their time and being very, um, I would say, safe um, for all of us, because we know specifically within the black community that uh, COVID has been hitting at an alarming rate. And that's just something to be noted. Um so um, I definitely want us to be very safe. But I also know that sometimes people get confused about what happens in art. They think of it as just kind of a passive thing where there's an entertainer up there doing a show. And, you know, the way I look at it is that, you know, especially with these kind of outdoor performances, um, this is an opportunity for um, the community to breathe, actually. You know, artists tend to give breath, give life, give words give um, release to things that are sometimes difficult to talk about. And uh, my piece, Life and Drive All Black, was a a piece I started in grad school as I was kind of exploring what it was for me to be a Nigerian-American coming online with the experiences of being black in the United States of America. And I would say that, you know, while it's been beautiful and magical, it's also um, put me right up against, um, you know, the things, just the kind of structural racism, the blatant racism that many of us know too too familiar, or just too familiar with. But also one of the things that the show has done, and it's done in shows past, is that really in a gentle and beautiful way um, enables those who yearn to be allies, those who yearn to just be aware in a way that they weren't before, to enter in. There's all kinds of ways to enter in, whether it's to engage and play and to talk about the elephant in the room and just say, oh, that's weird, that's awkward, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. 
And it's just been such a, a beautiful journey for me. It's been a way to process our present climate and to not lose my mind. And I just think that, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, um, people put art, they don't know where to put art. And I understand that the city is concerned. I heard things like being a, a spreading, you know, an event that spreads. But we as artists are very dedicated to our practices. And more, you know, more than anything, I think that we would err on the side of being overly safe from the microphone use to the distance we are if we're singing. Um, um, the organization, um, Andrew's organization, has been very, very careful to make sure we know what those are. So we're building shows around that. And I think that's also just what's so beautiful about creativity and art is that we can create within whatever constraints we're given. And so, okay, if we have to do it outside, if we have to do it with the audience um, separated with more than six feet, we, we can do it. And uh, so I'm just hoping that, you know, whatever papers need to be signed and, you know, whatever people need to get into the same room, they will get in the room and agree, okay, let's give these guys a, a chance, especially since other things are opening up now. So, you know, we kind of have that to our credit, too, that a lot of indoor spaces are opening up, and um, they've already started to make those uh, strides there. So we know that um, outside spaces are way more. I mean, being outside is a huge uh, deterrent for this virus. So um, I think that we are, we're, we're pretty okay, and we have all the tracing with the tickets and all of that. So I just really hope that the judge will... Um, hear all the uh, voices and we'll, we'll sway um, in our direction um, to enable the community to have this opportunity to experience art. And, um, um, yeah, I love what Andrew mentioned about religious uh, uh, services, too, that, you know, just to think about the, the level of constraint that we've been under um, willingly um, on behalf of, of the other, uh, on behalf of wearing masks, wearing um, face coverings, um, uh, staying at home for the sake of the other, other is actually a very beautiful community experiment that we have done this for each other. And so I feel that as we're um, opening now, um, let us enable us to enjoy art for each other. We know that art is good for people's mental health. I mean, it's just, you know, let's, let's spread the joy. And um, um, I just wanted to read a quote because I think this is uh, really important um, it's from Martin Luther King, and it's also in the the the, the, the paper, the the um, court document that we wrote. But it says a positive religious faith does not offer an illusion that we shall be exempt from pain and suffering, nor does it imbue us with the idea that life is a drama of unalloyed comfort and untroubled ease. Rather, it instills us with the inner equilibrium needed to face strains, burdens, and fears that inevitably come and assures us that the universe is trustworthy and God is concerned. And I sincerely believe, um, not only as an audience member, but also as a person who performs, that when you give people a chance to experience art, it allows them to become more at ease, more balanced with the creator. And I just want to participate in that and helping people have a little bit more peace, a little bit more joy, a little bit more ease in this time that, you know, yes, things look like they're kind of going back to normal, but we know that they are not. There are many, many things that we still need to see happen in our, in our country, in our society, in our world. Um, you know, recently there was a, a massacre in Nigeria, um, you know, uh, that was, you know, it was a, a protest about police brutality and yet you know the, the the bad few you know again had to had to make it a, a not good experience and so 
these are worldwide concerns, and I just think that we're at a point where enough is enough. And so, you know, let this show and this our little art be just kind of a little offering that we can do to our society and to um, our community um, to help us just carry the load together, to lighten this load that we're all in together. And so, yeah, so, um, you know, that's all I want to say is that, uh, you know, this is this is as close to normality as we can hope within the constraint of knowing that we still have a virus that's loose and we're very much aware of it and want to do whatever we can to stay safe. But it's still experience joy. Right, right. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Nkichi, um, for for your, your remarks. And, and Andrew, and I'm really sorry that I'm kind of running out of time now. <laughs> um, but but I wanted to, um, I actually wanted to introduce you properly, uh, Nkichi, um, that you are a San Francisco Bay Area actor, singer, songwriter, painter, and performance artist. And you received your Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering from Stanford University. And while at Stanford, you performed in a few theater productions, and on a dare, you auditioned for and were chosen to sing lead for a college band. And after working a few years as an engineer for a leading semiconductor chip manufacturer in Silicon Valley, following college, you felt inspired by God to pursue life as an artist. And we're really happy that you felt such an inspiration because your work is phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and you entered the uh, entertainment industry as a model and after some acting training became began booking national commercials, and after studying, uh-oh, I don't have the rest of your bio, oh, heck, after studying, um, oh, shoot. Uh, you technique, I can finish for you. <laughs> the Meisner technique, which is an acting technique, um, I just mm-hmm. found myself landing roll after roll after roll, and I'm super grateful for this journey that I've been on, so. Uh, thank you so much. I wonder for that proper introduction. <laughs> sure, yeah. And and Andrew, I wanted to ask you, um, for those like myself, I'm like not doing anything proximate. Um, will there be a virtual aspect to any of this, or will like if you're not there, yes, you just this is it. being live streamed. Um, which will be on oh. our website and on our YouTube channel uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And so people can sign up for that, and um, oh. or they can just tune in. But RSVPing is always possible as well. And How do they do that? do that on our website? Just go to our website, sfiaf.org. Okay, yeah. And then, uh, Nkichi, um, uh, your your particular piece, um, wow, it, it just it just sounds so exciting. Um, uh, where you know where where did it come from and and do you have to did you have to adapt it um, at all like have you adapted like has it been changing uh, with each iteration? Yes, actually, it's a work in progress. So um, it first started off um, as a ten minute showing and then eventually expanded up to a seventy five minute show that I was able to do at D Space and um, and as a as I'm constantly building and adding. Um, to it, and uh, I'm actually pretty pretty excited about um, what I get to do in that open space because it allows me to try things I haven't tried before. Um, you know, a lot of my uh, shows tend to have a lot of um, interaction with the audience, and so it's a fun puzzle to do that interaction with 
without touch to do it from a distance, but I think that's going to be built into the show. So uh, it's it's really, really fun. So, yeah, um, this is just me driving around, learning and growing and experiencing um, life and being able to share that in a humorous and, and generous way uh, with, with those who want to participate. So I'm really looking forward to it. In fact, it's been been a, a good build uh, this, this COVID season while being sheltered <laughs> to get really fun and creative with it. So I'm looking forward to kind of showcasing that this Saturday. Oh, super. And and do you have a website you'd like to share um, with the audience so they could, um, you know, become one of your fans and follow you, so to speak? <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Way. My name. Oh, I know, right? I know. I do. Actually, my website is uh, N as in Nancy, K as in kitchen, E as in Edward, C as in church, H as in house, I as in ice cream. So that's www.nkchi.com. And uh, there you should be able to find everything you need to know about me and, and what I'm up to next in my creative life. And, uh, yeah, and then also the um, the San Francisco International Arts Festival has a page that they've made for us artists, and that's uh, Sam Francis International africanfrancis.org slash Nkechi. So would love for you guys to find us. You can also find me on Instagram, um, on Twitter, and all those things. But if you go to my website, you can uh, navigate to all those places. Awesome there. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, um, sorry I have to dash. Um, I've been admitting students into the classroom, and I put a little note. I'm going to start in about five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. I just came from a Hebrew class myself <laughs> to make this call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, cool, cool. Well, gosh, well, good luck on the lawsuit. Um, wow. Um, gosh. Hmm. Yeah, it's a real mm-hmm. sort of a different kind of um, energy, um, but I know you all are mm-hmm. like channeling and pulling on the ancestors and, you know, the indigenous spirits that, you know, who's whose land we are we are literally occupying. Um mm-hmm. and uh so so it's gonna all work out well. Yeah. And, uh, thank look you. forward to you're seeing welcome. you on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And congratulations Andrew mm-hmm. for continuing this, this festival. What year is this for you? This is number seventeen. It's not the festival, it's it's a it's a, it's an outdoor event that we wanted to put on basically as a prototype because we know we're going to be doing this again next year, and we wanted to do it small and mm-hmm. and well-managed, and we wanted to prove that it was safe before we started replicating it at larger venues in 2021. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, not, a, it's mm-hmm. not a festival. It's just a series of uh, performing arts events that are a precursor to next year's festival, which will be outdoors. Okay. Yeah, and I want, I want to give Patrick a big commendation for really doing a lot of unity work um, it's been just a delight um, throughout the last few months to participate with just so many artists and art from different art forms. A lot of times we don't get to collaborate because we're all in our different silos. But um, through COVID, we've actually had a lot of kind of um, Zoom calls with the larger community of artists from singers to instrument players to um people in opera to uh, comedy to we just all gotten ourselves in the same room because we were all uh, kind of trying to solve the same uh, puzzle um, in terms Mm -hmm. of how to make our performances more safe. So I just want to commend Andrew for keeping on with the keeping on and keeping us artists 
together and united and excited about the future, no matter what um, we're dealing with today. So feel really, really fortunate right. to have found a, a new friend uh, in Andrew and uh, the community of SSIAF, San Francisco International right. Art Festival. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations again. Congratulations to both of you, you know, for the work. Um, art is real important. I mean, it's what keeps us alive and it's what keeps us human. So, yeah. Yeah. Keep on keeping yeah. on, as they say. <laughs> oh, bless you, Wanda. Thank you so much. You. I look forward to when we can actually <laughs> see each other all again in studio, in live, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, be nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be nice. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, you take good care, both of you. Thank nice you. Bye. Peace and blessings. So thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of Wanda's Picks. Peace and blessings, everybody. <laughs>